I want to thank everybody for being here this morning. Uh, as y'all know, you can tell from the flowers and things, we had uh, <coughs> we had service here. Sherry Geis, you know, we had her service. And uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all that helped out in the service. The kitchen and everything. And people were so grateful and so thankful. They made comments. And one of the comments that Linda was telling me they met was on our youth that was helping out in the kitchen over there and serving and helping them. And uh, they made the comment, it was so good to see the youth take part in the church businesses and the services and things like that, and they was real impressed. And uh, I want to thank the youth that was over there serving and helping out. It meant a lot, and it really made an impression on the different people that were here. And the people that were here, and that uh, they, they commented on y'all, how gracious, kind that you were, the sympathy you showed, and because uh, they were family. They were real close friends with Sherry. And... Uh, they were very happy that the, that the service took place in her church. They said, well, the people know her. Were, they could feel the love of the people and the love for Sherry. So, again, thank y'all for everything that y'all did. And uh, I know David was very pleased with uh, everything that you did. And uh, so, again, that was just a, a thank you from the people and from me and from the elders and so forth that uh, very appreciative. Uh, Friday morning I went over and I visited with uh, Roy and Pat and them and Pat is still going through some problems. She is going to have to go when they get it set up she's going to go over to Weatherford and they're going to do an MRI. She still has some confusion and uh, she says I know I've got it and so uh She's just not getting out right now. She, uh, COVID and everything, that COVID pneumonia and all that is gone. That is clear. She says, I don't have any of that. That's, that's gone. But she said, I still have some confusion that I don't understand. So y'all keep Roy and Pat in prayer that uh, they can figure out what is going on and get it taken care of. Pat and them went back in church so bad. But she said, I just, uh, see, I can't explain it. But she says, I just don't feel like right now that's where I, where I need to be. And actually, it's where she does need to be. And um, she needs to be here in God's presence. 
and we don't understand sometimes we don't want to do this or we don't want to do that because we think that, you know, well, I might interfere or something in the church. Well, God is in control. You know, David had a song. The last song he sang was, God is in control. God is in control of everything. And uh, we just have to put our faith and our trust in him. God wants us. He's got, whether we know it or not, do you realize that God has a plan for each one of your lives? He knows what he wants you to do. He's got the plan. We just have to follow it. And too often we get away from God's plan. We get away from God. We say, well, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I've had them tell me, well, I just felt like I needed to take a break. I said, take a break from what? I feel like I need to take a break from God, from the church. I said, that's one of the worst mistakes you can make. So how would you feel like it if God took a break from you? How would you feel if God took a break from you? Just like all the things we've done. If I'd been God, I'd probably took a long break. You know he did. Do y'all realize between the Old Testament and the New Testament was 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament that God did not speak to man? There was a period in there between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years. God was getting ready to institute the New Testament, and he did not speak to man for 400 years. How would you like for that to happen again today? How would you like for God to ignore you and not speak to you? Well, I'm looking at some stuff here. I don't know. I, I may not even do this sermon. I don't know yet. It's, it's, I, I feel like I need to, and then I feel like I need to go another way. So I just told God. I said, God, whatever you want to do, you do it. But the other day, and I've entitled this sermon. I don't know how far I'll go in it or anything else or if it's going to change or what. But I put getting back to God's original plan. Do you know God had an original plan for us? And we messed it up. As great and wonderful as God is, we still kind of messed it up. But God said, you cannot go too far that I can't get you back. Sometimes man has walked away. They said, I know that God will not let me come back. I have sinned too much. I've done too much. And God won't accept me back. Yes, he will. If you come back with a contrite heart, won't and say, God, I need you. I want you. Come back into my heart. Be in my life like, like you used to be. He'll do it. And I got to look at it. I said, well, you know, he showed us in the Bible where he would do that. We just look at David. He loved David with all of his heart. He said, what? David is a man after my own heart. And yet David messed up. David did things that he knew he shouldn't have done. He had an affair with Bathsheba. They had a child. Do y'all realize that David had sinned against God and, and, and then David was trying to get out of repenting? He didn't want to come back. He said, well, God will forget about it. No, God does not forget about our sin. He will forgive it, but he will not forget about it until you ask him to forgive you. Then he says, when you ask me to forgive you, I will forget your sin and I'll never remember it again. But up until we ask for that forgiveness, that sin is still before God. After we repent, God does away with the sin and he don't remember it anymore. 
We have to remember this. God loves us. But I think God loved David so much that he even sent Nathan, a prophet, his, his prophet, to talk to David. When the prophet got through talking to David, David did realize, God has not forgot my sin. And during that process, God took the life of that baby. The sin was so bad and so terrible. But, you know, David still, he says something to himself. No, he says, the baby cannot come back to me, but one day I can go to my baby. He knew that that baby was now in God's presence, but it was not in his presence. David had been terribly, terribly punished for a very terrible sin. But God forgave that sin. Nathan told David, said, David, you go before God, you repent, and God will retake, well, he will receive you back. Here in Psalms 51, 12, this is one of the things that David said. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. See, David said, restore back to me that joy I had when I was with you, when I served you, when I was in your house, when I was in your temple. He said, I miss that joy. I've had a lot of people say, yeah, Bill, I think I really made a mistake when I said I was going to take a break from God. I said, I told you. I said, you do not take a break from God. God's going to be, he said, I, see, God told us. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. See, that's God's love for us. Many people say, how can I really know God loves me? I said, would you send your son to die on an old cross, go through the pain and the suffering that Jesus did? Well, that shows you how much God loves you. He let his son do that for you because of his love for you. And as I was thinking, I was sitting there in my office, and I don't know, it just kind of, it just kind of hit me. Linda had come down to the, through the office, and we got the washroom, we got the washer and the dryer and everything back in, in the back room behind another bathroom. Well, I wasn't paying attention. I was sitting there doing something, and all of a sudden I hear this, beep, beep, beep. Well, that was a dryer. You know, so many of our homes now, we've got gadgets in there, these electronic gadgets, and they've got alarms on them. They've got alarms on them to, to warn you. Well, this dryer went off, and it was telling us, and it was warning us, saying, the clothes are ready to be taken out. The clothes are ready to be removed. we got microwaves that beep. It's telling you, your food is ready. We've got different things. My computer, it will beep or make a little noise when the printer is getting low on paper or when it runs out. See, it alerts me. Well, do you know that God has put an alarm in you? When I heard that, I don't know where it's, you just, but you know what that alarm is that God has placed in you, his people? The Holy Spirit. He has placed the Holy Spirit in you, and that Holy Spirit is an alarm. It tells you when something's wrong. It tells you when you need to do something. And I know I've said it before, but every one of you here probably have experienced it. That when you made a mistake, all of a sudden you knew immediately that you was wrong. It hit you and said, uh-oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. That was the Holy Spirit telling you. And the Holy Spirit's telling you, you're out of line. 
you're out of line. You need to repent. You need, you need to go back and ask God to forgive this. Well, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now. And that Holy Spirit will stay there and he will be there. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I was thinking about something when this happened. Have y'all noticed that a lot of times when something goes wrong, a little light will come up and it'll give you a number on it? It's called an error code. If you've got an owner's manual, you can go in that owner's manual and you can see that error code. And that'll tell you what's wrong with that gadget. It will tell you what's wrong with it. When that error code comes up, you might even have to get the owner's manual to, to look at it. I think that I believe right now there's an error code flashing in nearly every one of us. God has got an error code. You know what? We're going to have to go to the manual and see what's going on. God's got a manual. It's just simply called the Bible. The Bible. The Word of God. And He wants to tell us what we need to do, how we need to change in order to correct the problem that we are going through. You know, there's many people out there today, they're standing at a crossroads in their life. They're standing at a crossroads in life. Now they're going to have to make the decision which road to take. There's a sign there that says narrow road. There's a sign over here that says wide road. Well, they look at that wide road. Very smooth, very comfortable, easy to travel. But then they look at that narrow road. It's narrow. It's bumpy. It's going to be a hard road to walk. But God says that's the road you need to take. That's the road going to lead to heaven. The wide road leads into the world. And he says... Many, many follow the wide road and very few take the narrow road. We need to take that narrow road. And if you look in the Bible, you'll find that. The wide road and the narrow road, and, and the Bible explains what each road is. And, uh, you know, God's manual tells us what to do and how to take care of the situations that come up in our life. But too many of us, we don't go to the manual. We don't look at the manual. I'm probably one of the worst in the world about if I get something and it's got directions on how to do something, I throw those directions away and I look at the picture on the, you know, on the package. Well, the directions are a whole lot better if you'll follow those. The Bible, we follow what the Word of God says and does what the Word of God says. The results are much better than trying to look at the pictures. Trying to look at the pictures. And uh, most of us today, our problem is that we just need a closer relationship with God, or what we call a heaven-sent revival. You know, probably each one of us could use a revival in our life. I was looking, and uh, the word revive means to restore back to the original condition. To restore back to the original you know, there's a lot of people today into restoring old cars and things like that. What are they doing? They're putting it back in the original condition that it was when it was manufactured. They want the original parts, original paint jobs. They want everything original. We need to get back and get that original stuff that God put in us. 
We need to get back and get back into the Word of God and get that original stuff that God had for us and, and, and placed in us. You know, for us to be spiritually revived or restored means to get back to God's original plan for our life. He's always had a plan for us. You see, God's got a plan for us. Okay, yes, and the Bible tells us he does. We just look at it. Well, so I use it a lot because it makes so much sense. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the thoughts of the plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you a, a, a hope, a promise that I have made you. God has a plan. He wants to fulfill that plan in our life. But for God to fulfill that plan in our life, we also have to cooperate with God. God's not going to force you to do it. He's not going to force you to do anything. He gives us a free will. He said, you make up your mind. Sometimes I wish God said, you're just going to do what I tell you, and that's going to be it. Boy, we wouldn't be going through all the stuff we're going through now. But God says, when you, when you accept me, I'm, I'm not going to force it on you. I want you to do it because you want to do it. I want you to serve me because you love me. I want you to serve me because you know who I am and what I can do. That you know that I am the God of this world. And there is nothing impossible for me to do. We have to come to God. We have to believe in our hearts that he is who he says he is. He can do what he says he'll do. And he will do that. You know... As we're talking about a revival, I, I saw a little article, and I was reading it, and uh, it, was about a, it was a pastor, his name was Charles Finney. Some of you may have heard of him, I don't know. But he was a pastor who was a part of a great revival. And he made a comment. Somebody asked him, said, actually, Mr. Finney, what is revival? What is revival? And he, and he and quoting, he said, Revival is nothing more than a new beginning of obedience to God. A new obedience to God. We come back to the obedience that God wants. God said, I'd rather have obedience than sacrifice. He wants our obedience. If we would be obedient, there wouldn't be sacrifice. Because we would be doing what God wanted us to do when, we, when he called it. And true revival isn't something that we start or do. It's something that God supernaturally does in our life. It's a wake-up call to us to get back to him. He says, you need to wake up. You need to get back into my word. You need to see what I'm telling you. And then you need to do that. God wants our obedience he wants us to be obedient to this word. If you, I mean, I've told you this before, but if you ever get the chance, you just want to see about obedience, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And that talks about the, 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 the curses and the forgiveness of curses, the blessings and the curses. Well, it starts out with the blessings. If we will do this, God says that I'll do that. If you will follow my orders, then I will do what I say I'll do. You know, a lot of God's promises are conditional. And we all God said that I can have this. If you're obedient. How many of you ever told your children, all right, if you'll be obedient and be good, I'll let you do this? That's kind of what God's telling us. If you be good and be obedient, then I'll meet I'll bless you. We tell our child, you need to be good and be obedient, and I'll take you to the movies, or I'll take you out to the zoo, or I'll do that. You're going to be rewarded. A child knows if he'll do what the parents say, that they will be rewarded because the parents said they would. Well, God says, if you do what I tell you to do, I will reward you. 
And he will. But we have to be obedient to God. There are times in history, like I said a while ago, that when God intervened in man's life, each of these divine interventions from God came during a very dark period. And that was during the Old Testament. And he was about ready to close out the Old Testament. Like I told you, from the Old, Te from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's a period in there of 400 years that God did not speak to man. They never heard a word from God because he wasn't talking to them. He was getting ready to make a change, a big change, from the Old Testament, from the law, into the New Testament. And, uh, <clears throat> but during that dark time, God had to do something. During that dark time, God had to do something. The mo man's morals had went to nothing, just about like what ours are now. And in Judges 21-25, it said, Man wanted by then to do what seemed right in their own eyes. What they wanted. Now, it didn't make no difference what anybody else wanted. As long as I want it, it's okay. And that's the way a lot of us think about it now. As long as I want it, it's okay. Well, what about what God wants? What about what you want is going to affect somebody else and going to hurt their life? God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. But you know, during all this period, when he sent the, the judges in to, to, to govern over the men, but God in his loving grace stepped in and brought about a much needed spiritual awakening to man. There was a period in there that men got back to God. Of course, God put some of them in captive, in captivity. They were punished. Other countries took them. I'm talking about the Israelites. Their disobedience to a loving God that chose them over every nation there was. He blessed them. He walked with them. But yet, they were disobedient. God said, get back to where you were. I think God is telling us too today, get back to where you were. Get back to that relationship you had with me at one time. Remember when you first come to me, how much you loved me, how you served me, and all the things that you did? You were wanting to glorify me. But as time went on, then you started kind of drifting away. You started kind of being, I want to do what seems right in my own eyes instead of what seems right in God's eyes. We're trying, to do, we're trying to satisfy ourselves instead of satisfying God. And that's not going to work. It is not going to work. You know, we need to get back to God and to his blessings. And there's only one way we're going to do it. God has told us in his manual that he sent us how to correct the error that shows up in our life. God has told us what we must do. And I think probably some of you know where I'm going to go with this. We've heard it, and we've heard it, and we've heard it. But hearing it and doing it is two different things. You can hear it and hear it, but if you don't do it, what's the use of hearing it? Listen to what he's saying. And as soon as I start, you're going to know exactly what it is. If my people, which are called by my name, he was talking to the Israelites. 
That was his people. But now he's talking to us also. Jesus said, now there is no difference between the Gentile and the Israelite. He sees us both in love. He sees us as one. So where he was talking to the, the Israelites here, he's talking to everybody now that has accepted him as their God. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, you know, and this is so hard for many people to do, if they will humble themselves. Get rid of pride. God hates pride. He hates the lustful eye. He hates a lying tongue. Those are three things in the Bible that tells us that God hates. Pride is one of the worst. A lying tongue where you're lying about one of your fellow men here. He wants us to get back and get that lust out of your eyes. You know, in the Bible, he says, you know, if you look upon a woman in, a, in, in lust, you've already sinned with her in your mind. He says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. You're best better off in heaven with, with, without your eyes and your, because you won't make it with sin. God says, get rid of sin in your life. Humble yourselves before me. And then he goes said, if you're, those who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. How many of us still really fall on our knees today and pray? How many has come before God and asking forgiveness to pray for things for, for each other? I know this church prays for each other. But how often? How often do you do it? Maybe when we send out a prayer request, put, put it on the prayer chain, and then how many still? How many do it? Even though you know it, how many forget about it, forget to pray? We are neglecting God in this day and time. We are neglecting God. He says, pray. Come into my presence. Let me visit with you. That's what really prayer is, is visiting, taking a time to spend with God. And he won't say it. Seek my face. What does seek his face mean? If I was with my wife, and I was, I was seeking her face, I would have my hand up there against her face. I'd have my cheek against her cheek. I'd be right there in her face, seeking her face, seeking her attention. That's what God wants. He wants us to come in, and he wants us to seek his attention. He wants us to put our hands upon his face. He wants to put his hands upon our face. He wants that closeness. And too many of us pushing God away. We're not letting him get close like he, like, like, like he wants to, or like we should want him to. God wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to hold you so tight and so close. Can you imagine? I think what I would feel if I went up there and put my arms around my wife to hold her and she pushed me away. How would I feel? How do you think God feels? Because that's what you're doing. 
You're pushing God away when He wants to get close. He wants to hold you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to visit with you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to be there with you. And we're pushing Him away. No, He says, seek my face. Get in there close where I can touch you, where I can put my arms around you, where I can whisper those things in your ears that you need to hear. That you need to hear. And then he says something else. Turn from our wicked ways. Or turn from our sins. You know, there's too many of us that want to sin instead of wanting God. Oh, hey, I'm going to tell you, sin can be fun. But sin only lasts for a little while and sin will condemn you. Loving God, serving God, you'll never be condemned. You're only going to be blessed. He's going to hold you. He's going to bless you beyond your imagination. We can't even begin to describe or imagine all the blessings that God can put in our life if we'll just let him. I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour blessings out upon you that you cannot contain. How would you like to have so many blessings that you didn't even have room for them? Well, God says, I can do that. God said, I can do that. And he will do it if we'll let him. Don't push him away. Draw him closer in to you. <clears throat> and then God says, Then I will hear from heaven. When you do these things, I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. We got a land right here that needs healing. We got a country that needs healing. If we can get all the Christians to come to God, to, to worship Him, love Him, serve Him, be obedient to Him, you, we can't even imagine how great and wonderful this country could be again. And that's what God wants. But we have to do our part too. We have to do our part. And that's let God do what He wants to do in our life. God's not going to do anything that's going to harm you or hurt you. He's going to only do the things that's good for you, to help you, to bless you. <coughs> Excuse me. But he said, I will heal your land. For us, excuse me. <clears throat> God says that we will come to him in true faith, in honesty. God says, I will forgive your sins. What's going to happen when he forgives your sins? He's going to start working on your home in heaven again. He's going to have a place prepared for you. You know, I, 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 said, I said those words at Sherry's service the other day, yesterday. When Sherry passed, he said, Sherry, I've got your home ready. You know, I told you over there in the book of John that I would go away, I'd prepare a place for you, and when that place was prepared, I would come again and receive you into myself, that you would be where I am also. She's with Jesus right now. Our home was ready. It was finished. I just wonder how many of us he's preparing a home for right now and how close it is to being finished. Because when it is, he says, For I have, I have appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. We all have an appointment. Sherry had an appointment. She kept that appointment. And now she's home. 
She's home with, with Jesus in her brand new home. God wants to bless us. He says, I will forgive your sins. He says, I will hear your prayers. Not only when you pray, he'll hear them. Up until you have asked him for forgiveness, do you know you can pray it many times and he will not even hear that prayer? Because you're in sin. He says, I cannot look upon sin. I will not honor sin. But that moment that we come to God and we ask him to forgive that sin and we'll tr do it with a, tr with a truthful and righteous heart. God says, that sin is forgiven. It's through. It's gone. I remember it no more and you don't either. Forget it. It's not there anymore. It don't belong to you. It don't belong to you. It's been taken away. Then he said, I will restore you back to him. He says, you know that relationship we used to have? You know how close we were? How in the evenings we'd walk together, we'd talk. Well, we can do that again. You know, I sat out in my yard, like on a good starry night or something clear, you looking up at that heaven, those stars and how beautiful and how bright, that moon, and, and, and you just look, God, you did all this for me. You, you, you created all this beauty so I could see it. Can you imagine what's on the other side of all that beauty? That's God's house. Can you imagine how beautiful that's going to be? Remember, over in Corinthians, for eye has not seen, nor has ear has heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what God's got in store for those who love him. Just like I, that's just, I said that at Sherry's service. We have no idea how beautiful and what God has got in store for us. But he's not going to compare to anything that's on this earth. It's going to be too beautiful. This earth will be so dull, so dim, compared to what heaven has to offer. He said, I will restore you back to me. If, you know, if, it's just a little two-letter word. But in this here, it's a very big word. If, I, if, he will restore us back to him if we will do what he has told us we must do. So really, God's put it in our hands. What kind of blessings do you want? It depends on your obedience to me. It depends on if you do what I've told you you need to do. He said, if you will be obedient and do what I've told you, that I will do for you what I told you I'd do. And believe me, God can do so much in our life if we'll just let him. If we'll just let him. And like I said, this is a conditional promise from God. Many of God's promises are conditional on that if we will be obedient and do what God says, then he will do what he says he'll do. How many, like again, how many of you told your kids this? If you will do what I told you to do, that I will do for you what I told you I'd do for you. Well, that's what God's telling us. Be obedient and do what I've asked you to do, then I will do what I told you I'd do. I'll take you to the movies. I'll take you out to the zoo. We'll go places. We'll have fun. And the kids are looking forward to that. And we as Christians ought to be looking forward to what God has promised us. 
Because they're never it's it's never ending. It's never ending. It's gonna be for all eternity. Have y'all thought about that? Heaven is for all eternity. It never ends. I think it only gets better. It only gets better. And what God is telling us, in other words, he's saying, this is not a suggestion for me, but it's a commandment. God's just not suggesting that we be good. He said, I am commanding you, if you want blessings and you want heaven, you're going to have to be honest. You're going to have to follow my commandments. You're going to have to do what I said to do in order to receive your rewards. I think God's been pretty clear. I don't think God hum hauled around. I don't think he said anything that he did not mean. He made promises that he will keep. God has not made a promise that he will not keep if we will keep our obedience to God. Every promise that God has made, he will do. But that depends on you, on me. If I will do what God has told me to do, I can count on, on every promise he has made me being fulfilled. You know, there are so many promises in the, word, in the Word of God. He said, I will if you will. Are you willing to walk and follow God and to be faithful to him? If you are, hold on because you're fixing to be blessed far beyond you could ever imagine. Why don't we try this? See if it works. Be faithful to God. Be obedient to God. Trust God and believe in all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul that God is God and nothing is impossible. We'll do that. You'll see such a blessing take place among you and in this church. I want to see the blessings take place in this church. God is not through with us. Devil thought he'd won when he brought in all this COVID. I think he just made God mad. And now God's going to show him what he's going to do. And there's nothing that Satan can do about it. Nothing. Satan is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe in your life. You just let him know the next time he comes against you. Satan, I do not serve you. I serve the true, the living God. He is my God. I have his promises that he is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. But he will be with me whatever I go through. And you can't do a thing about it. You can't do nothing about it. So Satan, back off and hit the road. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they will. This was somewhat close to what I wanted to do, but it wasn't all the way there. God changed some things along the way. God wants us to bless him through obedience, through our love for him. And then he said, I want you to watch what I'm going to do. Watch how your life changes. Watch what happens in your family. Watch what happens with your children. Watch how they're going to be blessed. He said, I, you know, we have to realize how much God loves the little children. He's watching over them. The devil's trying to steal them, but God's not going to let him have them. He's not going to let him have them. 
Put your faith, put your trust in God. Pray for your children and turn them over to God. God, I'm giving you my children. You can take care of them so much better than I can. I know you're going to bless them, watch over them, keep them safe. So, Lord God, I'm thanking you today for what you're fixing to do in my life. And then watch what God does in your life. I'm going to ask the band if they will to pray. Pray. If you need to come down, if you just need to, to visit with God for a minute, just talk to him and have that moment with him, please do. I'll be down front. If you want to have prayer, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. So, if y'all will.